Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage and Joe Asani with Prime Protection LLC. We're going to talk about smart home technology out of the gate today. And uh, Joe has worked with my team for several years and been a partner of ours to help our clients with um, you know, security systems, alarms, cameras. And I think one of the things, you know, is I coach real estate agents all the time about this. Um, someone is always watching. You know, there, there are cameras everywhere today. It's big brother like, um, but everyone wants them. Everyone wants to know what's going on in their house. Everyone wants to know to, to know what's happening. And and Joe, I would imagine as you guys have evolved with your business, more and more, you know, consumers aren't just looking at alarms anymore. They're looking at like cameras and all those smart home type features. No, you're 100% right. Most of what we have going on now is smart home automation, cameras, and we always say the security is just an added feature. Yeah. You know, it's more of a feature now than kind of the main focus. Right. Everybody wants to lock and unlock their doors, see who's at their doorbell, yep. protect their cars with a camera. You know, there's like you said, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, great tip for real estate agents who don't realize this, but the cameras are always on. You know, I get complaints from uh, customers every once in a while that have their house on the market and they're like, why are these people sitting in my couch? Why are they in my refrigerator? Why are they? Why are they? Why are they? Because I think people just forget like that, that someone's watching and that the cameras are there. So great tip for real estate agents is always make sure that you're coaching your clients to be respectful because the seller may not be there, but they're there. <laughs> right. You know, they're watching. Yeah, so, and I think a, a lot of times sellers, right, that's a prime time where they may just be sitting there watching it live if they know there's a showing going on at their house or whatever is going to be there because they they want to see who's going through it. So, you know. It's, yeah, and, you know, one thing that, that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, and, you know, we, we have this really cool technology now at my office called the Neat Board. And the Neat Board, this Neat Board allows us to uh, coach and teach agents in like a streaming uh, platform with a TV that moves with me and comes on automatically, records and streams automatically, right? So I, I walk into, I can have it, I can have it set to walk into the room, and anytime someone walks into the room, it immediately starts recording, you know, what's going on. And the camera actually follows you, and it's touch screen, and it's it's not just a great big TV on the wall. It's like a big TV computer, you know. I mean, it's it's all these things combined into one. And so what what I realized I had to do, what my lawyer made me do, was make sure that I'm repeatedly telling the people at my company that I'm not just recording video, but that's recording audio. Yes. Because in Florida, you have to you have to notify you for recording audio. So a lot of mistakes that home sellers make where they're technically breaking the law. And we, we've had to tell our clients, hey, look, you're not supposed to be recording audio unless you're telling the people you're recording audio. That's illegal in Florida without telling them. It's just like when you call into a business and they say, this call is being recorded for call quality and training purposes. They've satisfied at that point. They've right. told you they're recording it. So you have to make sure that you're notifying, you know, you have to make sure that you're communicating that, notifying that with this smart home technology. And, you know, because if it is audio and you're not telling them, 
then you you know there could be some problems if you're listening in on private conversations and a lot of times it's assumed like i think if someone presses the button on the ring camera it's kind of assumed but there's there's also a difference between like private and public you know like there's a debate about whether or not you can do it in your house because it's your private space we're on the doorstep it's public so regardless in in my experience uh, you know i i would advise people to to turn off the audio recording unless you're telling people that there's audio being recorded otherwise you could get you get in some serious trouble. Yeah, and I've heard stories too with buyers, right? If you know, a lot of times buyers go to a showing and they have their agent in their house and they tour the house. And they're house. talking negotiation, right? right. And yeah. then they're, they're standing in the living room talking about, hey, what you do just we offer your hand. about this or that? And if I mean, that's like it, playing poker, yeah. being like, hey guys, here's right. what I got. You know, right. like you, you've got to, you know, like so. So we coach our agents. Hey, look, yeah. if you're going to talk about what's that's, going on, the smart home technology's got, and not just that, but the video and audio quality has gotten so much better. Right. Oh. Like back, uh, you know, five and six years ago, I mean. Some of the cameras, it's like, I can't even read a license plate off this. Like, what is that? And now it's like you can zoom. I mean, there's the, the stuff is just getting so – the audio is so much better too. Well, yeah, the video is a big one because, you know, years ago, you know, 720 was a big yeah. thing. Do you guys remember still that? Rainy. You could and barely then, see people, you know. You couldn't tell – you know, someone's height, size, it was blurry, yeah. you know? And 1080 was still not just recently. Yeah. I mean, now you've got cameras going into 5 megapixels, 8 right. megapixels, which is uh, essentially 4K, yeah. where you can zoom in and it's still not pixelated. I mean, yeah. the technology is yeah, way better. And, and again, so if you are a home buyer, so quick home buyer tip here. If you're a home buyer and you're shopping with your real estate agent and you're looking around at houses, and you want to talk about an offer or you want to negotiate, make sure that you're not talking about what you're going to offer in the negotiation in the house. Get out of the house, go somewhere else, because otherwise you might be tipping your hand to the to the seller. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Snapchat. Uh, you know, the other thing about smart home technology, though, is, is you know, how much more advanced it is than just cameras and locks. I mean, now you can control, you know, there are apps out there to control just about every feature of a house. No. So I'll, I'll touch on a lot of the popular ones, but yeah. then we can chat a little bit yeah. about some of the other ones, right? So the most common are obviously your doorbell, if you consider that an automation feature, but it's door locks, garage door openers, thermostats. Those are the really big hot ones yeah. um you can do some light bulbs yeah or you can do light switches yeah um but they have everything from bringing your uh shades up and down yeah to a valve that will turn off if uh it senses water yep um to a plethora of other and things even like controlling your tvs here. from your phone oh, streaming absolutely. controlling computers um you know there 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 are instances where you can even set some of the technology where you can set a scene you can say every night at seven o'clock do x or if i press this button this is what i want to happen i want these lights on i want this tv on i want the audio i want the volume set at this you know, and and it's it's incredible the amount of technology that's come controlling pools, you know, pool features, waterfalls, all that kind of stuff. Those are all things that are 
uh, becoming more and more remote. Uh, irrigation systems are another one. You irrigation see. is now one of the things I will mention is you can always do this on an open platform, yeah. but when you are working with a security provider, there's an added layer of security because if somebody breaches and gets into your Wi-Fi, yeah, they don't automatically get into, in my case, the ADT platform. Right. They would also have to break into that platform. Right. Whereas when you're just connected to the Wi-Fi, if they get in there, they can then they, screw then they with can everything. Yeah. And control Absolutely. everything. Yeah. And 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 I just think that the technology is getting to the point where uh, you know, like somebody said the other day, like, oh, you know, I need to rekey the house. I mean, eventually, you're we're not going to need keys. Right. I mean, eventually, like, who who's going to use keys? Like, I, I don't use keys. At I don't my use house. keys. I don't even at have all. a key. I don't literally don't even have a key on any of the doors. Like, there's no key lock. And so the only doubt here's the downside that I'll tell you. Okay. So this is coming from someone who has a lot of smart home technology in his house. Um, it's when you have people that live with you that aren't capable of understanding. <laughs> yeah. So my mom lives with me, right? So, so, um, so my mom lives with me and unfortunately, you know, has some dementia. So she forgets stuff. Right. And so I can't have my mom go out the front door cause she'll never remember the door code. So I have to have at least some locks in the house that are manual because otherwise like she's going to get lost. You know, she's going to go outside and not remember the door code and not remember to do this. So, um, and the other side of the other thing that I think is funny, um, the smart home technology, unfortunately can sometimes become a crutch. I'll give you an example. I have a 19 year old daughter. Um, my 19 year old daughter, um, got to the point where when she would shut the front door, she just kind of flings it and then would assume the door locks and doesn't pay attention. But sometimes if the door bounces, the lock won't fire. Um, so I've had to tell her like, look, the, 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 the technology of the auto lock on the door is a, um, it's a protection. It's a, it's what's supposed to happen if you forget. So you can still put your thumb on there and lock it just like a normal lock. And that's what I need you to do because otherwise I've come home and the alarm's going off because the door wasn't locked <laughs> because she didn't really double check it. And so uh, there, there, again, it's, there's a lot of great things with the technology. Here's the other downside of it. Um, you know, in Frontier, I'm talking to you because my internet's down right now. I got, I've got an outage, right? Oh, when your internet's down, it can cause some other obstacles with some of these things because then, what, you know, how do you do it? You know, so so the uh, that's the that's the other side of it is when the internet's down. And it's interesting. I was talking to a buddy of mine from California who also deal deals with his internet going down a lot. He ended up getting because he's all got an even smarter home than mine, um, and and you know he. Um, He's got like Wi-Fi programmed car charging stuff where it can he can turn it off and tell him and you know he's got Teslas and he's just very like you know he's just that type of person. He's got he literally pays for three internet providers. One goes down, it rolls to the next. If another one goes down, it rolls to the next. He never loses internet. And I thought, you know what? That's maybe that's not such a bad idea. Um, terrible idea. What's that? So it's not a terrible it's idea. Not. I mean, you don't it, right? you don't go down. You know, you 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 don't have the issues. You know, but but nonetheless, that's the downside. You know, one of the downsides of all the smart home technology is if if the Wi-Fi goes down, then you're, you know, then then you struggle a little bit with certain things that don't work. And doesn't um, electricity play into the same thing? If there's a correct. storm or electricity yeah. goes down, that knocks out your Wi-Fi. Some of it, yeah, out. yeah, exactly. It's right? the same same kind of yeah. concept. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know what? We'll talk after the break because we are that season is upon us. Right. I mean, we are we are here for uh, hurricane season. It has arrived. I think August. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought it was August 15th that was supposed to be the start of it. Uh, um, Brian, the, August 15th to October 15th is considered peak, the peak, peak season. Yeah, peak, right. right. So. That's peak season. So we're now officially in peak season, which means that uh, those potential outages and 
you know, tree issues and problems and, and all of these things that happen during storm season. Uh, but it also brings up an important insurance element. Uh, make sure that you're binding your insurance early. Make sure you're getting flood quotes now before we had the storm, because once the storms show up, you're cut off. You're not getting flood insurance uh, any longer. So make sure that you're uh, paying attention to those insurance things. And um, gotta and, and again, Mike, in general, if you're if you're dealing with real estate closings this time of year, a lot of potential for delay. So use the closing date and all those target dates right, as guidance. Guidance. Yep. You know, they're goals, right. but they're not set in stone because. There's provisions in most real estate contracts that talk about force majeure. If there's a storm, if there, you know, then closings get delayed and, you know, it, it just happens. You know, movers aren't going to move your stuff if it's 60 mile an hour winds outside. Right. You know, I mean, it just is the reality of it. So we're going to continue this conversation uh, about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show after a quick break on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Uh, Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, pretty much everywhere on social media. Just look for us. We're putting out good real estate content all the time, and um, I'm excited about my new billboard. I can't wait to show you guys my new billboard, the home selling goats, and I I'm dressed up in a football uniform wearing number twelve, and that's I, all I can it, say. <laughs> you guys can draw the conclusions. Right. I can't say anything else. I can't say any names. I can't say any teams or anything, but I think yeah. you guys get the point. And I uh, can't wait for it to, you know, be uh, be approved and out there on the street. So it'd be pretty funny. So flood insurance is something people don't understand sometimes, right? They they see a flood. They want to know what flood zone something is in. But reality, the major thing that matters with flood insurance is the actual elevation of that specific house. You can have homes not in flood zones or in flood zones, and depending on the elevation of the home would depend on the the type of, you know, the, the, the price of the flood insurance they're going to pay. A lot of people, like, try to, you know, like me, for example, I try to rationally understand how they can blanket the elevation of the home being the only factor for what someone's flood insurance is because realistically that's what it is. That would be like saying we're going to insure – um, or Mercedes S63 at the same price for every single driver in America. You know, like it doesn't work like that. There's right. all kinds of other mitigating factors that cause floods, that cause high waters, that, that you know, cause areas not to flood, um, you know, claim history and neighborhoods. All those things really do, in a sense, go mostly out the door when it comes to flood insurance. So um, when you look at a property and you say, oh, what flood zone is it in? Realistically, what you want to know is what's the base elevation of the house. That's the best indicator for you to know what what is going to happen. And sometimes flood zones aren't the Bible. Sometimes flood zones don't tell you whether or not it actually has to have flood insurance or not. It really does come down to the elevation of the property. Similarly, a property might be in zone A or in one of the highest risk. But if it's garage on the first floor and it's built up, again, it goes back to it doesn't have to have flood insurance because the base elevation of the house is, is at a certain place. But, Mike, you guys probably see this a lot this time of year. People that are ended up requiring to get flood insurance, and they wait till it's too late, and then there's a storm out there, and it causes chaos. Right, on, yeah. On I mean, it, yeah, they'll stop binding the, the insurance early on and everything else. And, and so flood insurance is a little bit different than homeowner's insurance and how it gets bound and, and when it goes into effect and everything else. And so it's important that you do it early that's going in. And I think a really important tip, too, for buyers out there is that, 
you know, you don't just automatically know what the elevation of your house is. Right. And so when you're ordering the survey, right, which is typically ordered when you're buying a purchase, you want to ask for an elevation certificate yep. as part Always. of that. It doesn't automatically come all the time. And so that's really, really important to yep. know. And so the earlier in the process you can do that, the better. In my opinion, I mean, Tampa is a peninsula, realistically, a peninsula within a peninsula. Yes. There is no reason in Tampa you should be buying a house with a mortgage and just get a get an elevation certificate every single time. Like yes. there's, there's no reason you shouldn't get one. You need to know what your flood risk is because look, there are people that have been, have had their entire financial livelihoods ruined by not paying attention to that little detail and then not getting flood insurance and a storm comes through and wipes them out. So homeowners insurance is very similar too, in that they won't bind when there's named storms out there yes, either. Correct. The, now, however, what I will tell you is there are occasionally some higher risk carriers that will that'll take on the risk if the storm is in a certain trajectory. But it but the the main rule of thumb that is almost always absolute and and the best thing to go by is bind before you have to worry about it. Yeah, and usually what you see happen is the first whoever's first to say, "Hey, we're going to suspend binding." Then everyone policies, else follows. Then everybody like within hours you start getting notifications from the different companies because they don't want to be the only one doing it and then get caught, you know, holding the bag if God forbid there's a you know a serious storm. Yeah, and and I think again the the idea of flood insurance, you know, for for a lot of people they say, "Oh, am I required to get it?" And and there are a lot of people that aren't required to get it. You know, that, that don't have to get it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't especially if, if it's not required, then it's probably going to be inexpensive. And again, my opinion is the scientific method for determining the elevation rate being the only thing that factors into someone's you know, requirement to get or not get flood insurance is, is crazy. Don't just accept FEMA's determination of your risk. There's a lot of people in New Orleans that'd like to have a do-over on that. You for know? sure. Don't just, uh, don't just expect FEMA to have your you know, personal interest in mind to determine whether or not you should or shouldn't have insurance. Look, look, you know, talk to neighbors. Look how often your community and neighborhood floods. Look, at, look close by waters. You may not be required to get it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it very seriously because of the risk in your particular area that doesn't necessarily, you know, equate to the actual elevation of the home. And just because you have hurricane insurance as part of your homeowner's flood isn't the same. is flood is not the same. So hurricane insurance only will handle wind-driven rain, meaning rain that came in that was blown from the storm, doesn't handle rising water, doesn't handle flood waters that are coming in there. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I have hurricane insurance. I'll be fine. That's not the case. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to be back. We're going to continue our conversation. Is lowballing back? Are, are lowballer buyers back in the market um, and are we seeing more of those? We'll give you all of the details on that after a quick break here on WFLA. News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage and Joe Hassani from Prime Protection LLC. Lowballing. It's back. I'll admit it. It is. We're seeing more lowball offers than we saw, you know, six months ago. And does that mean that a seller is going to accept your offer or that you're going to get some huge, crazy discounts? The stats don't pour it out yet. The stats do show more price reductions. They do show, um, you know, that clearly. Yes. Um, but they're still showing an above 100% list to sell price ratio um, for like the seventh month in a row. Now, will we continue to see that as the year ends? I'm going to predict that we won't. I'm going to predict that we're going to start to see 98, 99, 100% list to sell price ratio because I'm seeing the the you know the word on the street what I'm seeing in my business is 
you know, more, you know, $500,000 house going under contract for 95, you know, instead of $500,000 house going under contract for 510. I'm seeing more of the below at or below asking price uh, situations happening. So prices have softened a little bit. But here's the thing. We're still seeing massive year over year appreciation. Yes. That we've, you know, we're just simply not seeing the same appreciation percentage that we saw um, year over year earlier in the year. So we're not depreciating. Values aren't dropping. We're just simply seeing the rate of appreciation go from what looked like about 30% annually the last year or so. We were seeing, you know, many of our neighborhoods, average sell price was rising 25 to 30%. We're simply seeing that percentage soften, meaning that prices are still going up. They're just not going up at as fast a pace as they were when money was cheaper, when there were more home buyers. And you know what I think this market is going to bear out? And I'm actually kind of excited about it. You guys know what I'm really excited about. And, and I hate to say this because I never want to root against people. But this market is going to bring on the departure of the lazy real estate agent. Yes. The lazy real estate agent is gone. Like it, they're, they're playing their exodus. They're going to have to go do something else because the market is going to get harder. They're not going to, you know, there's a lot of real estate agents out there that don't even know what a price reduction is. They don't even know how to do it. They don't even know how to talk to the client after 14 days of the home not selling. They don't even know what to do. They've never been through that market. So I think it's going to eat up some real estate agents that don't know how to shift and don't understand what happens when a market changes and aren't prepared, aren't prepared to adapt and, and haven't had those fierce conversations with sellers before about, hey, look, you need to lower your price. You can't overprice it. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah. Not, they don't have the backbone because they just haven't had the training because it just hasn't even been relevant for years. Yeah, we, we're already seeing that on the mortgage side. We talk to real estate agents, obviously, every single day in our team. And you're starting to hear about a lot of real estate agents maybe picking up a second job or starting yeah. to do things. You're starting to see that exodus because, again, they can't support themselves um, as much on it. And so, really, it's a cleansing of the, the industry. Yep. And, and in a way, again, not to root against anybody, but in the long run, it makes it for, for a better industry for and everybody involved. Yeah, and it will be better for the consumer because yes. you get a more professional, more streamlined, more experienced agent than somebody that just got in because they watched a, you know an infomercial and they you think HGTV flipping houses is cool and they want to jump in and become a millionaire and they think it's easy. And it is easy when the market's as hot as it was. I mean, real estate agents realistically – during the last several years became order takers. I mean, they were customer service people. It was the art of negotiation wasn't as much there. Um, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it was challenging to get an offer accepted. It certainly wasn't challenging to convince someone to make an offer. Right. It certainly wasn't challenging to find people willing to buy a home because everyone's willing to buy a home when interest rates are two and a half percent. But the market has changed and it's going to weed out a lot of people that got in for the wrong reasons that don't have the proper training and coaching. And it's going to cause a lot of companies struggles. And, and again, like I said before, I'm not rooting against anyone. I'm rooting for the consumer because in my opinion, when these agents that um, don't offer great service or education or experience to their client, um, when they get out, all it, it's it's an improvement for the, it's an improved experience for the customer, um, and and again, um, a more professional industry that I think we're going to see. So I, again, the failure rate for real estate agents has always been really high. It's been one of the highest uh, failure rates in any industry in the country, and that's obviously paramount. The next you know. The next year, I think you're going to see that exodus. Same thing in mortgages, right? Yes. If you're not a mortgage originator that's going to grind and work and build relationships, 
you're going to struggle because there's not as many people looking to get more and refis are gone. So there's a lot of, you know, I'm seeing a lot of mortgage originators doing other things or they're, you know, they're, they're trying yeah. to pivot into other areas. There, there was a headline this week that, you know, refinances are at the lowest level of the millennium so far. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, you know, in the last 22 years, you know, not even in this, in this century, have they been this low and you're right. It's the same thing. It's very similar in the industries. There's a lot of cleansing of it, both on the real estate agent side and also in the mortgage side. And again, that, you know, it kind of weeds out the people that aren't as professional with it and ultimately is best for the consumer. You know, this is my, this is my 18th year in real estate. So I've been through, you know, the Great Recession. I've been through the oil spill. I've been through all, you know, I've been through COVID. I've been through all these things that shift the real estate market. So I've seen things come and go. The cream always rises to the top. The longstanding companies that invest in their people, that invest in education, that invest in advertising and marketing always survive and thrive when the market starts to shift. And I think I've seen over the last few weeks more talent applying to work at my company than I've seen in a long time because they know it. They see it. They know they maybe went to some discount company and it was easy and they were taking orders and it was awesome. But in the market shifts, you've got to have somebody that's willing to spend money to grow, to improve, that knows how to pivot, that knows how to shift. And obviously the longstanding you know, history of my company has shown the ability to do that. So that's attractive to some agents that are like, okay, do I keep doing it on my own where I'm not going to be able to anymore? Or do I go join a team? And I think the, I think this is I saw Tom Ferry say this week, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, Tom Tom Ferry said, um, he he said that the this real estate market is going to be the end of the individual real estate agent. So Tom Ferry said it, and and truthfully, I think that the death of the individual real estate agent is is approaching. The individual person, kind of jack of all trades, kind of doing it all on their own. When a market shifts. They can only do so many things. And I think you're going to see a mass exodus of those individual agents. They're out there going to the trainings every day. They're out there you know, trying to learn, joining teams because they're going to have to. You know, that's just the way the market is right now. And so, Joe, what, you know, what, you know, this shifting real estate market, how do you see it impacting, you know, like the, the home security automation? I mean, what are some of your thoughts on, on that? Well, I'm kind of going to shift it back to you. So a couple of questions that were, well, a few things that were impacting my business were all the investors. Right. You know, so my question really is to you. Yeah. uh, And I'm going to pivot to something. So three years ago, we were on this show and I told you, I keep thinking the market's going to drop. This was before COVID. Right. You know, you told me, no, you were like, you were absolutely sure it was not just going to start going yep. down. And I've been so trigger shy to purchase anything. Yeah. And in hindsight, I wish I would have listened to yeah. you. So I just wanted to say that on the radio. All right, everybody listening. <laughs> everybody listening. Appreciate the kudos. Uh, but yeah. Um, but with the investors, my question to you guys both is, are they leaving the market right now? No. Does that give us a better? They're not. No, they're not. And, and the reality is that um, I think a lot of the hedge fund people are buying for such long term and they have analysts that are paying attention to all the numbers. They see appreciation still going up. It's not at the same pace. Where else are they going to put their money? Um, they've built out huge systems to buy homes and now they're just going to have to adjust their numbers. Maybe they can't buy as close to market value now. Maybe they've got to hire better negotiators. Maybe they've got to come in at lower prices, but no. I'm still seeing a lot of investment activity. I'm still seeing the hedge funds buying like crazy. Um, and a lot of people are afraid that what's happening is going to almost like corporatize, almost like make real estate like car dealerships, you know, like a trade-in type thing, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of people afraid of that. And in reality, I don't see the hedge funds slowing, um, you know, yet. That's- now, 
at some point, a lot of them are losing money hand over fist. Right. I mean, if you look at you know the publicly traded ones, you know the you know and I won't say their names because I advertise and compete with them, but the publicly traded ones that also buy homes that advocate for an easier, smoother home buying process, and mm-hmm. then you notice a whole bunch of fees and a whole bunch of hoops to jump through. Um, anyway, those companies are losing money hand over fist. They're yeah. not profitable. They're getting their tails handed where to you'll them. See so a eventually, they got to eventually they got to make a profit or they're gone. Sure. Yeah. And it, when you'll see it turn over a little bit or soften a little bit is when you start seeing the rents come down or roll over a little yeah. bit. So our market on on the you know buying and selling sides rolled over a little bit. It hasn't crashed. It's not going to crash anything else. Well, the rents keep going up, and they're Correct. still astronomical. When that starts to roll over, then you'll start seeing investors yeah. slow a little pause. But also, if if a lot of these companies that are hedge fund supported and publicly traded don't start making a profit, they have to make changes. I mean, look, yeah. Zillow's a great example. Yes, Zillow did the whole eye buying thing forever, and they were getting their tails kicked and losing money hand over fist. So what did they do? They said, okay, we're going to stop doing this because we're we're not good at this. We're losing money like crazy, and they pivoted. And I think some of these other companies, you'll see them transition to either become real estate brokerages or start selling leads or start passing off the buying opportunity for a portion of the fee. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of these companies pivot when they inevitably don't turn a profit. Uh, because if they couldn't – I'll say this much. Again, talking about publicly traded real estate companies, if you couldn't turn a profit during the – the best real estate market that we've seen in decades, you're gonna you're you're not gonna turn a profit during a slowdown. I mean, you're, it's gonna get worse. So, so again, I think some we haven't seen an exodus yet. But like Mike said, I think as rents rise, numbers soften, they get more pressure to turn a profit. I think you'll see investors, um, you know, leave more than than now, and I think you'll see you know some of that probably more like, you know, next year. But but again. Population growth is also driving a lot of this. Right. So these these hedge fund buyers are able to still be successful here because of how many people are moving here. They're not having the same levels of success. Like if you were to take my guess is if you were to look at the numbers from some of these companies and just partition off Florida and look at how much profit they made or returns they're making in Florida, it's probably great. But when you factor in all these other markets they buy in throughout the country, they're probably getting their tails kicked in some of those. And Florida's making up for some of it, but Ultimately, if they're going to be this nationwide kind of change how people operate thing, uh, a lot of them are going to struggle because they're not making a profit. And eventually, businesses have to make a profit. It's just the reality of it. If they can't make a profit, at some point, investors say, okay, we got to sell off assets or pivot because we're tired of giving you money and and giving you money and giving you money and you're not giving us any money back. I don't know how people are going to continue to afford. I kind of was hoping they'd start moving on for the consumers. Yeah. for the consumers to be able to buy stuff, right? Yeah, they can't just compete with them, you know. Yeah. And then the and rents are so high. I, I think again, because it. of population growth, you st- you have so many wealthy people moving here, and you have so many funds buying stuff that they just know they can keep driving prices. When population growth stops happening in Florida, I think that and of course the pressure from Wall Street and some of these funds, I think you'll see some of that stuff change. You are starting to see within the political arena within you know Tampa and St. Pete, you're starting to see a bigger push towards more affordable housing being built and being provided and whatnot. It's not quite there yet. We have a long way to go, but I'm starting to read more articles about it. Yep, they're, it's coming. You know, the municipality, they're, they're working on it and trying to push out more things that they're going there. The Hometown Heroes program they launched you know this and al- year. And also Airbnb stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the funds and a lot of investors 
investors are buying and making their homes Airbnbs, turning into corporatized rentals. There's a lot of cities, municipalities, and HOAs that are striking down on that and saying, no, 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 we want people, we want homeowners. We don't want, you know, transient tenants. So we're going to continue this conversation, wrap up with our last segment uh, here on the Duncan Duo Show after a quick break on WFLA News. Listing of the week, the Duncan Duo's listing of the week, 2615 Cordoba Ranch Boulevard in Cordoba Ranch. This house uh, just had a $100,000 price reduction. Listed for $1.295 million, five bed, three and a half bath on 4,400 square feet on a little over a half acre lot, three car garage, feature walls, custom built-ins, high ceilings, crown molding, wood floors, upgraded tiles, so many upgrades on this house, uh, upgraded lighting, uh, over 100,000 in the media room and smart technology. Uh, this house is you know completely turnkey and just absolutely beautiful. Again, 2615 Cordoba Ranch Boulevard. You can check it out at thedunkanduo.com. Just click on our featured listings. We can set up a private showing messages through any of our socials for uh, a private showing on this gorgeous luxury home in uh, Cordoba Ranch, one of um, one of Lutz's most luxurious neighborhoods. So, um, interest rates. Obviously, you know, that's a 1.295. That's a jumbo mortgage type house. Yes. Uh, what are you seeing with, with interest rates and, and what are you seeing in jumbo mortgages? What are you seeing? You know, what's your, what, you know, obviously they came back down some, right? I know they fluctuate a lot. Yeah. But. So they did. They came back down and then you saw, you saw some, you know, media in the past couple of weeks talking about they dipped below five again and they did briefly. Um, unfortunately, they've gone halfway back up to six. And now, so this week, the, the average was in the mid five. So it was back up just over 5.5. And, you know, it's interesting when they quote those rates and they do those or averages, it usually includes somewhere about one point that, that somebody is paying, usually 0.8. It's an average. So there's always more to the story. That's why it's so important not to just look at an average or a headline, but talk to a mortgage um, advisor there. So they've come back a little bit, but still have softened a bit. There's still a lot of appetite in the jumbo market for jumbo loans, um, you know, that are going to be there. There have we haven't seen a lot of tightening where you start seeing out the only area that we've seen a lot of tightening in the industry is on some of what they call non-qualified mortgage or some of the stuff where it's it's outside um you know regular yeah. proving of income that sort of stuff we've seen some issues with that but um the jumbo market what we still used there. to call like subprime yeah subprime it, it got relabeled non-qm but yeah. no one would know what that means but so qm stands for qualified mortgage it was after yeah. the financial crisis rolled out and so you know non-qm a bad word right now. It's yeah like a curse word you don't want to say subprime <laughs> but basically yeah the new subprime is non-qm and so we've seen a couple of those investors because there's not a lot of appetite for some of that stuff um you know really tighten on the market but the jumbo market is still there it's strong for people that can you know prove their income or putting a you know money down and everything else and those rates still remain competitive you haven't seen them jump any higher i guess as a percentage more so than than the regular conventional mortgages and, and i think another thing about the interest rates that people you know working with a really good mortgage loan officer preferably obviously someone local preferably someone across country mortgage obviously but the um the reality is, is the the game that a mortgage loan originator plays in not really a game, but the process in observing and paying attention to the market for when they should lock rates. Because yes. there's a lot of ebb and flow, and they look at data and they're experienced, and they know when to press that button uh, to take advantage of the best opportunity for you to lock, so that you can get the best rate possible. You know, so we aren't in an environment where they're just skyrocketing and going up every day. They fluctuate. There are days where they're down, there are days where they're up. And an experienced good loan officer, like we talked about before, a lot of those like just jumped in, get rich quick people are getting out. Right. They've not seen this before. They don't know what to do. And the experienced people 
are there ready to kind of serve and ready to give you the best advice to see the ups and downs. Certainly. And we, I mean, we always do advise our clients when they're, you know, we think there's a better time to lock and, and, and it's not just when we think, but we, you know, go out to some of the wisest minds in the industry that follow all these, you know, bonds on wall street and everything else and have services that provide us this information that goes in there. And ultimately it's, it's the buyer's, you know, decision, right? It's there's, we give them the best information they can make it. And unfortunately we've had some buyers and, you know, this year that they said, no, 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 I, you know, I know they're going to go down. This is going to happen. I know they're going to go down. And then a week or two later, they've gone up. And because they've gone up so drastically this year, it was, you know, they, they got disappointed. But, um, you know, you're all the rates all come from the same place and, and they're going to be there. So you definitely it is timing is important. And so you want to listen and, and work with a professional loan officer. Yeah. And, and no question. I think the local loan officer, too, because they have a vested interest in future business with you. They want to help sure. you for the next loan. They want to help your friends and family. The online loan originator is is doesn't really care about you. And I've seen people get taken advantage of and a poor a poor rate lock. And then obviously you don't ever know if maybe they got a better rate and then upsold and made more points and made more money on you because they locked the rate when they were higher and they were able to get a better deal and then make more put more money in their pocket. So there's a lot of game playing that happens with that stuff that I think is much more likely when you're dealing with somebody that doesn't have a local tie to your business. So again, a, a huge thing to uh you know, to pay attention to real quick before we jump to end the show, uh, Joe, what's your best social media channels? Your, your, your screen name, what is it at prime protection LLC? Is that what it is? Um, okay. Everything at prime protection LLC. And Mike, you guys are at CCM Tampa Bay at CCM Tampa Bay. And obviously I am at the Duncan duo. We appreciate you tuning in and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.